coffee today. Yeah, all right. <laughs> ah, uh, do you guys like the new Cafe Connection look in the way it does? Isn't that great? Uh, uh, so many guys help with that. I want to talk about that for a second because it, um, in a little bit, I, I, I think it's important you know, when we think about the church and, you know, Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. And he, he wasn't talking about a building. I mean, his, his um, root idea of the church, I mean, I'm thankful for a building. I'm thankful that we have a place to gather together and I think that's important. We're going to talk some more even about that, but but when he was talking about the church, he was talking about the people. Upon this rock, I will build my church. That, that word, um, ecclesia, that word uh, literally uh, means a gathering of called out people. Gathering of, of called out people. That, that this church, that this church would be made up of people. And I am absolutely convinced, and I've been saying this the last few weeks, that Jesus Christ working through the local church is the most strategic answer to everything that is happening in our world today. That we just, we just need more of this. You know, and I, I think about the church, I'm very thankful, uh, first off, that there is a meeting point at the cross for us at the church that is the great equalizer for all people. And it's important for us to recognize and realize that not everyone that is in the church comes from the same place or the same background. I mean, you think about the disciples. Jesus called fishermen, and, and, and you can have more than one opinion of them. They were probably rough men, or they could have been softies. But he, but he called fishermen, but he also called a tax collector. Now, a tax collector in, in that time was really kind of a despised person. It's kind of a, kind of, they felt that the tax collectors were traitors because they were Jewish people who were collecting and, and, and really in a ruthless way collecting and excising tax on the people for the Roman government. They were, very, they were very looked down upon and despised. And somehow or another, Jesus, in calling disciples, didn't call just one particular kind of people. Matter of, fact, matter of fact, I mean, I guess it would be easy since he was calling us to be fishers of men to just call fishermen. That all of the disciples would just be fishermen. But that, that's not the way it worked. And that's not the way he called people out. He called people from all angles and from all viewpoints. And that's really the way the church is today. It's people that share uncommon backgrounds, especially here at Triumph. We're just a mixed bag of weirdos. You know, just sort of, just sort of all over the place. As a matter of fact, I mean, not everybody shares my background. If you think uh, for a moment where I come from, I guess you could say that I kind of came from, from a sanitized world. For the most part, my my family on my mom's side were uh, deeply Christian, deeply religious, uh, mostly Pentecostal, with a lot of preachers. I mean, I I can't even really tell you the number of how many preachers spun out of my mom's side of the family. I mean, I had uncles and 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 aunts and 
first cousins and second cousins. I mean, we're pastoring churches all over everywhere from my mom's side of the family. Matter of fact, even my family itself is kind of a reflection of that. I have four siblings, so there are five of us in the house, and four out of five of us today are filling pulpits as lead pastors of a church. Four out of five kids that were raised in that home are in pastoral ministry. So you can kind of look at that and think, well, that's probably a pretty sanitized environment. And then you really kind of balance that with my dad's side of the family. And my dad's side of the family was deeply religious and deeply Christian in, in more of a Southern Baptist route. So you have, you have my mom's side of the family uh, that's more of a Pentecostal slant. And then my dad's side of the family... My grandmother Griffin uh, taught the youth Sunday school class at Milms Memorial Baptist Church into her 80s. Now, think about that for a second, an 80-year-old youth Sunday school teacher. But they loved her, and she, she saw such a redeeming value in speaking into the next generation. And maybe, maybe that is some of why I, as a, as a lead pastor, have consistently pastored this church in a way that we really emphasize children's ministry and youth ministry. Just have a heart for that. I mean, I am thoroughly convinced that, that if you save an older person, you save a soul. But if you save a young person or a child, you save not only a soul, you save a lifetime. That, that you inject this thing of Jesus at them early. I think my, my grandmother must have instilled some of that in me. So you would think that probably if you look at my life and my upbringing, um, pretty sanitized, pretty sanitized life. I'll never forget one Sunday afternoon, um, my mom and dad, they always cook this roast dinner thing on, uh, on, um, on Sunday. <laughs> I got some guys that are loving that. I tried my hand at it for the first time ever yesterday and fed half a football team. But anyway, um, we did this, and, and my grandmother and granddaddy, they would always drive over on Sunday afternoon, but rarely were they, were they there for, for lunch. We would have lunch, and then maybe about 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they, they would show up to our house. Uh, this particular Sunday, they were there for lunch, and we were standing in line, and we had just, you know, come from church, and my grandmother had just come from church, and uh, two, probably as opposite almost you could get in the Christian church between Pentecostal and, 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 and Southern Baptist, and and, but here we all were, and we were standing in the kitchen, and somebody said, maybe we should pray, uh, just let's all pray right now. And, and I don't know what got a hold of me, but right there in front of my grandmother, don't be offended by what I'm about to say, um, I've already been, I've already got the spanking for this, so I don't need any more spankings, okay? But I can't tell the story without saying what I said. I, I said, I, I said, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. And from across the room, I hear my Southern Baptist grandmother go, Robert, how dare you use the Lord's name in vain? It was quiet in the house. And this is the environment, this is the environment that I was raised in. And this, this is where God, this is where God called me to that fulcrum of the cross, that, that I would stand there and, and that I would give my heart to him in that very place. Now, I said it was mostly sanitized. 
When I was about five years old, my brother Vernon, now you'd have to know Vernon, he's, he's like me on steroids, 12 years older. All right? So I, I need to bring him sometime here uh, just so y'all can see what I lo- I'm going to look like in a decade <laughs> and act like. But, uh, but you know, Vernon, I don't, I don't know what it was with public textbooks back in, in, in you know, the 60s and early 70s, but somehow or another in a public school textbook for the science class, there was a full bore blueprint mock-up and recipe for moonshine. You know, it is a chemical process. And my brother, living in this pretty sanitized environment, my brother and a couple of his friends got the hankering that um, if they could perfect that recipe, they could probably make some money selling it at the school. <laughs> and so, and so they, they built a steel in the woods across the highway from the house. And... But then there was another formula that they were perfecting, and it was they were fermenting this in bottles, glass bottles, in their closets, which my brother and I shared a bedroom. So it was in our closet. And they would put these balloons on these glass bottles, and as moonshine would ferment or whatever, these balloons would expand. Mixed bag. And when the, ferment, when the fermenting process was over, this balloon would go down, and they would know it was time to pour it in mason jars and go sell it at the school. Quiet in the room right now. Well, my brother, he was on his way to school, and he had to poke his head in the closet, and he, he noticed that one of those balloons had gone down, so he thought, man, I'll just take a swig of it and pour some in and go make some money today. And so, but, but what he didn't know was that that balloon had a hole in it. And, 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 and so when he takes this jug out and he pops a balloon, it releases the pressure of all that ferment going on inside like you shook up a two-liter Coke bottle. And as soon as that balloon come off, it went, it just spewed out of the top of that bottle and it hit the ceiling of our bedroom. And my brother is sitting there holding this like this and I'm laying in the bed. I wasn't quite in kindergarten yet. I'm laying in the bed. It's beautiful. My mom hears this commotion going on. She runs into the bedroom. Here is he standing with this bottle with it spewing out, hitting the ceiling of the bedroom. And my mom screams, put your mouth over it. <laughs> At that point, my brother thought that was a good idea. He sticks his mouth over it in moonshine. Comes out his nose. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, I'm laying in the bed. They say I sit straight up and go, is it raining? <laughs> it was raining moonshine in our bedroom. My dad said he tried to paint that ceiling five times and he couldn't keep it from bleeding through. He took the carpet out. He wouldn't give us carpet. Our bedroom had... had Tile from then on. He wouldn't put carpet back in our bedroom. And that would have been my dad's house before he passed away. There was a little white desk that sat in the bedroom a lot of times that I would stay in when we would go visit him. And 
And um, this little white desk was sitting there, and that was in that room between our beds at that time. And, and you could still see the ring that won't accept paint where my brother set that bottle down. Somehow or another, through the midst of all of that, even in a Santa, see, I don't have that testimony. Now, that, that was my brother, but even in, that, even in that sanitized environment, there was still this intrinsic need for us to meet at a cross. And it's just something that even though I, I don't have that story and I don't share a lot of your stories, as you know, from places you may have come from and things you, you may have done. It's amazing that when we meet together as the church at the cross, none of that other stuff matters. That we are still all covered by the same blood of Jesus Christ. That we are still all redeemed by the same grace and the same mercy. That it is the same confession of faith. Whether you come from one side or the other in religious perspective, that we can all rally around the central theme of the church, that is the cross the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he did. Back when I was growing up, the churches had gone through this phase where they were having these traveling evangelist-type itinerant preachers come through, and they were kind of on this swing where the popular thing was, was to have the guys who had, you know, killed someone, gone to prison, got out of prison, drowned guard dogs, and weird things like that. Now, you would hear these stories. I remember one... Brother Red, you know, and he, some guy supposedly killed people and now and God saved him and somehow miraculously he got out of life in prison and he talks about one time he escaped and he literally was being chased by the guard dog and he drowned that dog and he got another 10 years for the dog. Somehow through all of that he gets out and now he's going around the country talking about how God saved him, God spared him, God brought him out of that. And I remember as a young person sitting there thinking, do I need that kind of testimony to be effective for the kingdom? I mean, I'm not, I'm not really, like, into killing people or dogs. But I mean, do you, do, you have to, do you have to have that? I mean, I come from this sanitized, everything's pretty much clean and in its box, and Grandmother Griffin getting on to you for using the Lord's name in vain and going to church every week, multiple times a week. I, I, don't, have, I don't have no prison story. Does that, does, does that make my conversion less as, as a part of the church? That I don't have guard dog story? That, that, you know, and you almost felt that way, but yet you recognize that at that cross, see, what I brought to that cross and what he brought to that cross, but when we get there, we're just a part of this thing called the church. And there is no less testimony, there is no less Christian. I'm not, I'm not more of a Christian because I don't have this background of, of being somewhere dark. I, I, don't, I, don't, I have a church background, that, but that doesn't make me less or more of a Christian than someone who doesn't. Because all of us rally around the same thing. And this thing called the church, and we're called into the church, and as, as the result of being called into the church... We have the opportunity to do something marvelous. 
together from all these different backgrounds and all these different stories and all of these things we could talk about where God brought us from or where God kept us from. In the midst of all of that, we all get the opportunity to change the world from here as we gather together as the church and affect change in this world that only the church can do by the help of Jesus Christ. Our neighborhoods, our towns, our rural communities, our cities are touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ because you and I do this right here. Because we do this. Parachurch Ministries, we partner with Take Us Beyond the Borders of This Nation. In, in three weeks, I'm leaving to go to Africa. and You get to go to Africa with me as an extension, as a part of this church. That although I'm there physically, you're there spiritually and emotionally financially you're sowing in to make this thing make this thing happen and see you have a you have you have as much of a part in in what we're doing in Africa you know some people say well, pastor I don't want to go you know I made I, I made the comment uh, you know a couple of weeks ago that I, I'm the I'm the unlikely foreign traveler I mean I, I my mom never rode on an airplane you know what I'm saying I mean, to my mom, foreign travel was going to the local Chinese food restaurant, which she wouldn't go to. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I'd call her up, I'd be traveling, you know. We never ate, I never ate Chinese until I was like traveling as an adult on the field. And I'd call her up and say, she said, what'd y'all eat today, son? I said, oh, we went down to the Chinese restaurant. He'd get stone quiet on the other end of the phone. Why you want to eat there? I mean, to my mom, if it wasn't fried... It wasn't food, right? It had to be southern fried with a lot of butter. You, you following me? So, so you know, I come from that. And, and, and so for me to, to step foot in the Philippines was a big deal for me several years ago. You know, scary to me. It was very scary to me. So, Pastor, I don't want to go to the Philippines. I mean, some of you do. We're going in February, but some of you, some of you do. And you, but, but others of you say, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go there. I, I don't want, I'm scared of that. But, but you, know, you don't have to go there physically, but you can go there emotionally and spiritually and financially by, by saying, you know, there, there are churches in the Philippines that, that you're a part of because you sowed financially several years ago to say, let's build that church. That's what we do. That's, that's how we can change the world. That's how we fulfill Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we have this opportunity to get lost people saved and saved people pastored and pastored people trained and then ultimately trained people sent. We have this opportunity. We do these things with our resources. And last week we talked about the resource of time. Another important resource we do this with is our talent. How has God gifted you? What, what are the talents that God has created in you as a resource for making a difference in the world that we live? 
Genesis 1.27 says God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Man, you are created in the image of God. That means we are literally created in the resemblance of God. He has put creative power in us through our gifts and talents. Maybe I should say it more emphatically. God... God doesn't create junk. And when God created you, he created something expressly special. That you have talents and you have gifts in your life that are yours as a resource to make a difference in the world that we live. A lot of that we do through the church. We have been specially handcrafted by God with specific gifts and with specific talents in order to mark our world. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That you and I actually, as the instrument of God, are the conduit of grace as it flows out of us into other people. That we have the opportunity to be a blessing to someone because of the resource of gifts and talents that God's placed in our life. Now think about it. I hate to use a personal example, so I'm going to hurry through this personal example to make some other comments concerning it. But I, I mean, I think, about, I think about me working through the process of where do we better serve people coffee in this church? How many in this house are coffee drinkers? Raise your hand, please. Just let me see you. Watch me. I'm not a coffee drinker. I, I, I mean, I, I have an occasional cup of coffee that my dad probably wouldn't say was coffee. But um, this is my primary drink of choice. Today's message is sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Um, I mean, what would make a guy, unless I'm the lead pastor of the church, and I'm, I, make, I, I make the ultimate decisions on what we do and what we don't do. So if you had a cup of coffee from our cafe today, you have me to thank. A non-coffee drinker. Think about this for a second. I'm contemplating how do we best serve the people in our church that drink coffee. Why are you, why are you thinking that? Why are you even... Why do I I even care? Okay? I'll tell you why I care. Because I care. And I'll never forget sitting here having this conversation and I'm talking to an individual and I'm like, I I mean, I'm I'm not in like work clothes. This was, I keep a set of work clothes here now because you never know when I'm going to tear a wall out. I mean, I'm just like sitting there and go, I think I'll go tear a wall out. It just happens. It's weird. So this was before I started keeping a set of emergency wall terror outer closer. Okay? I did nice clothes. And, and we're sitting there talking. I'm like, you know, the perfect place for a cafe would be for us to repurpose that room that's in the foyer that comes off here. I said, if we can go through that wall, I've already looked at it, been looking at it for a while now. The, it's not a supporting wall there. We could put a, 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 a header in, though. We could put a 
two by ten header in there. And if we just busted that wall into the foyer, if we just if we just went through that wall, we could open that thing up into the foyer of the church and people could just come right there and they could come in the building, they could go right there and they could get their coffee right there. Individual talks to says, You got a saw? I'm like, yeah, you know, what that, a circular saw, you know? You got a hammer? Yeah. Got a hammer. He said, what's stopping us? I said, nothing. Nothing at all is stopping us. So we just went in our night. He, he was in slacks and a dress shirt. We went in there and just punched a hole in the wall and went, and knocked that part out and said, you know, I think this is going to work. I think it's going to work. And we, we kept sawing until we hit electrical. Then we called Dave Holford. <laughs> Dave's back there. Wave your hand, Dave. We said, Dave, we know it's 9 o'clock at night, but we really need you to come up here. I think we have a problem. <laughs> Dave came up and said, what you doing, Pastor? Looks like you're in a remodel mode again. I said, can you see it, Dave? That's the truth, isn't it? Can you see it, Dave? There's a coffee shop coming through this wall. Because I've learned that, there, now there are certain things I can do. I don't make coffee, but I, I can knock out walls. I'm good at that. So y'all, if y'all need a demo guy, I'm a talented demo guy. I can do that. And we're, we're on our, like our third phase of it now. We just started, and these guys... Uh, Pastor Trent, I'm like, who you got up there? Help me today. And uh, I lie you not, this is how that conversation went. He said, well, right now, um, John and Cliff are here. And then he, he started naming Jeff and Tristan, I think, Nate. And I said, did you say the Bergeson brothers are there? And he said, yeah. I said, well, that's all you need. That's right there because they're gifted. Because th- th- that's, you don't need me. You don't, you don't need me for that. But, I mean, what I did do this week is roll paint on walls because I can do that. I can do that. Why would I even care? I care because I'm gifted to do that. God has resourced my life. Because there are people in this room that you can't even listen to me preach unless you've got a cup of coffee in your hand. Pastor friend told me one time, he said, man, I let him bring the coffee right in the auditorium. I said, I do too. He said, you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that I can preach anything as long as they're holding a cup of coffee. <laughs> I told you that because the Apostle Paul told us to walk circumspectly. And this is what people don't understand about the gifts that God has poured into your life. That the gifts God has poured into your life aren't for you to hoard within yourself. There's no, there is no satisfaction in, in selfishly holding on to our talents and holding on to our gifts. The, the way that our gifts make a difference, the way we can change the world from here is when people decide, you know what, I'm going to take what I do and I'm going to give it to others. Not for me to be blessed, but for them to be blessed. For me to administrate the grace of God working in their life that I can take what I do and I can make someone else better. There's no greater place to do that than the church. 
no, no greater place to exercise in the gifts that God has poured into your life. We didn't receive these gifts for them to sit on the shelf of our life and accomplish nothing. On the contrary, you have been gifted to serve others and stewarding God's grace in their life. Romans 12 says it like this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give it generously. If it is to lead, then do it generous, diligently rather. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. But whatever your gift is, discover it. And if you will discover your gift, and if you will learn to give it to others, your life will be fulfilled. And if we do that together, we can change the world from here. Not having this tunnel vision. Not having this tunnel vision where it's all, you know, about me. Some people warm their voice up and they never get off the line. Me, 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 me. They live their entire life singing me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. A friend of mine made up a song one time. He says, it's all about me. It's all about me. Because it's not about you. It's all about me. Some churches struggle because leadership in the church stresses children's ministry as long as they have kids in children's ministry. Their kids grow into youth ministry. They begin to neglect children's ministry and begin to promote youth ministry. Then their kids graduate from that and move on into adult life. And maybe they don't have grandkids or anything else in the church. And now the youth ministry wanes because they no longer focus on that. And somehow no, the Bible declares for us to walk circumspectly, to look around in all directions. To look around in every direction and see, wait a minute. It's not just about me. It's about you too. See, I mean, even in the church, I mean, I know we cater to children and we cater to young people in this church. And we we kind of keep a youthy vibe. Our music is as as close to as really in a lot of ways, it's as close to current as we can possibly get. As people grow older, they may even feel like that leaves them out a little. And I can say this: I know that there are certain aspects of the church that moves from generation to generation but thank God there is still a place for those of us that are getting older if you're getting older you say well is there a place for me absolutely your gifts are without repentance the word of God says it's irrevocable your gifts are still there that's what I love about what the youth are doing right now in this connect group season they have connect groups called gap groups and they're specifically designed to see if we can have some older members of our congregation come to a connect group with some young people and let's bridge the gap and, and, and let's let one generation speak to another. You go out there and look on the board. They're out there. So church is recognizing the value of the youth and vitality and man, we're going to emphasize that and man, we're going to be as current as we can be but at the same time, thank God for the gray hairs. I'm saying that even more and more as the weeks go by. 
I was waiting on a guy the other day, Spunky. They all called him Redbeard. And I looked at him, it was full gray. I went, well, at what point, you know, should they not start calling you Graybeard now? I guess at some point. It used to be red, and I, I think about that. I think about there's a connect group out there for financial stewardship in your life. And you know what? I'm just not a numbers guy. I don't like balance and stuff. I, I, I hate math. Okay? It's just me. I'm not gifted to math. But we have a man in our church, Doug Fletcher, that has given his entire adult life to math. I mean, that's all he's done is balance checkbooks and balance businesses. He runs nonprofit. He's run businesses. He's running his, uh, uh, his own right now. And, and I mean, you think about that for a second. He spent his entire adult life. He graduated from college with an accounting degree and has literally spent his entire life crunching numbers. And he's, he's leading that connect group to help people learn how to balance budgets and make budgets and get their finances in a way where they're not struggling every month. And He's a perfect guy for that. That's, see, that's exercising his gift. That's the way he is administering God's, God's grace back to the kingdom to serve others. I take this gift I have, and I'm going to lead a, a connect group that's going to that's exercise that gift, that gift, that gift, that gift. God wants it to exercise in your life that's why I love about Next Steps 201. Next month, second Sunday, Next Steps 201. It's all about learning your gifts. How are you wired? How did God make you get silent for that? Some of you are great in prayer. We're doing Pray First here every Wednesday night, except the first Wednesday night of the month where we do our word and uh, where we do our first Wednesday worship. But but October 7th, 8th, we've got two coming that are gifted for prayer to do a prayer conference at this church. There's a sign-up sheet right back there on that table a sign-up sheet to come here and learn other ways of praying and taking tremendous material and teaching people to pray. You say, man, my gift is, is praying. Well, we got a prayer conference coming next month for you. So sign up for it. Say, you know what? I'll be there. I'll be there. I want to learn how to pray better and new ways and ways of making that happen. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that, that gifts, the talents that God has put in us are so valuable for the kingdom and if we really are going to change the world from here then we've got to be willing we've got to be willing to say I will give my gifts back to the kingdom of God would you stand with me thank you so much I want to pray for us collectively and I'm going to give an opportunity a call for salvation then we're going to have our prayer partners come forward before I do any of that I'm going to remind you make sure you fill out the connect card Make sure you fill out the prayer request for us to pray over Wednesday night. If you're a guest with us, bring that card back to that table. We want to meet you today. And let me say as well that I'm absolutely convinced that God is going to bless us in our lives. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name over every person. I pray your hand of grace and mercy in their life. Help us discover what you have placed within us. Help us to be the channel for the grace of God to flow through. And our gifts declare in Jesus' name for your, for your anointing that would destroy the yoke of bondage that would free us to be what you have called us to be. I give you praise for this in Jesus' name. As you keep your head bowed, if you're here today and say, Pastor, I need a fresh start. I need to pray for salvation or, or, or for a renewal in my life. 
And I just want to make a fresh start today. Would you just slip your hand up away? But I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Those of you that raised your hands, I'm going to ask you to pray along with me and the church. And we're going to believe God to help you take one step today towards spiritual fulfillment in your life. Everybody pray with me. Say, Father, I thank you right now for your work in my life. I declare Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I am thankful you raised him from the dead for me. Right now, I give you my heart. I ask you to forgive my sin. And I give my life to you and for your kingdom. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen to that. Can we clap our hands and rejoice with those who prayed that prayer with us today? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. If you're on the prayer partner list, would you come forward? If you need prayer about anything in your life, these people are ready to pray with you and believe for God to bring an answer. If you don't need prayer, they're going to sing us out. I say a great big God bless you. Don't forget prayer conference sign up there. Next steps next month at the Information Center. Sign up for it there. God bless you. May this be the most